This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I am Christopher Hine, an instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And with me is Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Solano McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido Fresno. Ooh, Maya had a little sauce, a little more sauce in voice. Today. Happy 100! Yeah! yeah 100 we made it! That's a lot we, of fucking weeks of Aikido. I know. That is a lot of content that we have put out for other people to enjoy. <laughs> and ourselves. And learn from. Mostly it's ourselves. <laughs> That's what people maybe don't realize is that, like, um. Don't tell them that. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I will not. Pull back the curtain so you can see. <laughs> we will not pull We're... back the curtain. <laughs> no, it's just I feel like is, the curtain done been pulled back. This is just what we do all the time anyway, and so um, it gives us an opportunity to kind of hash out things um, in, in, in front of other people, you know. In front of other people. <laughs> Embarrass ourselves in front of everyone. That's right. We like to be watched and That's listened right. to. Yeah. So... Uh, we had a listener kind of uh, give us an idea for this um, episode, and we uh, ran with it. And so we have come up with some, this being a milestone for us, the 100th right. episode. Yep. What are the milestones in uh, Aikido? Um, and just looking at, you know, the big the, the big points yeah, uh, um, in, in the martial art and, and, and yeah. you know. The important milestones. Laying out yeah. some timelines. Um, yeah, so shout out to Constantinos Andrew. Um, thank you. Really appreciate <laughs> the idea yeah, for the 100th episode. Yeah, that was great because you came up with an idea we couldn't come up with. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to hear somebody else's uh, uh, voice or their ideas because yeah. there's only three of us. And so there's... Yeah, you guys would be listening to us count Cheerios or backflip right. <laughs> <or laughs> right. if he hadn't come up with a good idea. So. We didn't. We're not having champagne right now, but we are having coffee. So Almost as good. Uh, on yeah, a Sunday, a Sunday afternoon. afternoon right? So it yeah. seemed appropriate. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, so we just kind of went down sort of the timeline, or we just sat around and was were and thought to ourselves, like, hey, what are the main uh, points in time? What are the main things that happened that sort of changed Aikido or drove the the martial art? Um, we're, you know, really awesome. We're not historians. We're, no, this not, is yeah. not what we yeah, 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 Disclaimer, you know, like, we're not historians. Um, so if yeah. dates are... are uh, we've done our best to get the dates fairly close uh, in terms of years, but they're, they're kind of some broad category things. So if something is not 100% correct, um, you know, you can reach out and correct us if you want. There's but. also, I mean, it's real hard to track down a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, you look at one guy and he says this and then another guy says that. And so it's not, it's not like a lot of this stuff was really super well documented. It's like, well, it seems like that was spring 1922 that we were doing right, this, right, you right. know? It's funny because you would think, you know, considering Aikido is a pretty a relatively recent art you would think that it would be a little more easy to tack down some of the stuff but right. it's surprisingly i mean honestly uh, if you difficult. asked me stuff about our school you know i'd be like ah, i was 2008 maybe right, right, you know but, like right, yeah true you know, like, i don't remember last year if you year. asked me about students that are no longer there anymore uh, oh, yeah. when they were studying i would be like uh I don't, i'm not sure i, I know, know their names what, what were we doing talking? then i think right, i had right. this car right uh, exactly <laughs> When did we move from one place to another? What year? Yeah, and so our idea was this: with this, is more, you know, more than give specific dates. Like more than that is to like give kind of the idea of like the beats, the important right, here, moments, right? The things that change, at least in our from our perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah how we yeah. think. Yeah, this is cool stuff. Like. And we tried to make it as like non-specific to a specific style, mm-hmm. just because there are so many styles of Aikido, and I'm sure our listeners are from all different backgrounds and stuff so we w- didn't want to make right. it too skewed to a specific style of aikido so yeah um you, so uh, with that yeah, but yeah. You, you got the list <laughs> i do um so All i right. mean obviously the first thing would be the birth of osensei in december december 14th of uh, 1883 so that's um, i think it's a super important date um you know like <laughs> well, obviously yeah. <laughs> well, but, but so i mean i honestly you know a lot of times whenever i listen to anything or talk about anything i i, I find the critic's voice first right yeah, yeah. and and you know like my first critic thought was critics thought was um well maybe you should actually do sukaku takeda because aikido and and daito you are so closely related you should talk about the birth of takeda first but but it's like you know 
all of that stuff is filtered through Yoshiba. So like the beginning of Aikido is definitely all Yoshiba's, you know, like, so it's, it's his and it's like what influenced him and stuff. So, right. so the very beginning, you know, has to start with, with him and there's, yeah. there's not, there's not a way around that in my opinion, you know? So from there, the first date, the first like really significant date that we had, speaking of Sukaku Takeda, was 1915 around, around there. Um, and that was uh, when Osensei met Sukaku Takeda in Hokkaido, uh, where Takeda was working for the police bureau, uh, training police officers, um, and they met, Osensei was around... 32 years old um and he started studying with him yeah so in the years after so that so yoshiba went to uh hokkaido i think like 1911 and uh he was like had a, a group you know like a i don't know like a what do you call it? a settlement group um and they were like doing awesome stuff you know like building homesteads and stuff so like you know just like the wild west was here in the u.s like oh. that's what was going on over there and so uh they were founding new land and and a lot of stuff's like you know his early training there was like lifting logs and like failing tree felling trees and oh, you know yeah a uh, lot of like physical sur- labor survival kind of survival yeah, yeah like wild west stuff. yeah being a tough yeah. dude you know um yeah so so that's and then he met uh takeda in 1915 and was blown away by how cool his jujitsu was and he had done some other styles you know before but i mean very easily arguably daito used the single most influential martial art to Yueshiba. Um, not that he didn't study a bunch of other stuff and not that, you know, Daito to you is definitely not Aikido. Aikido is not Daito to you, but, but like it was very influential to him, you know? So from there, the next kind of important date that we have is, well, so, um, O-sensei, uh, left Hokkaido in 1919-ish, um, due to his, uh, he being told that his father was dying. Um, so, and so on his way back to trying to get back to his father, um, he stopped in Ayabe and met, uh, Onisaburo Deguchi. Um, and, uh, that was kind of an important meeting for him because that was kind of a, a spiritual influence that he right. had. Um, and so he ended up moving to Ayabe because he found out that his father had died before he could get to him. And so he moved his whole family, his wife and his kids and his mom back to Ayabe because that was that next influence that he had found right. that he was interested right. in learning more from. And at this point, you know, he's like 36 or something. I mean, he's like, you know, like mm-hmm. becoming a middle-aged man yeah, and right. uprooting his whole family to That's go hang deal. out with this spiritual yeah. teacher, you know, like, uh, and I think that tells you, you know, a lot of times one camp of Aikido might like kind of not look at this side, but his spiritual side was just as important to him, if not more right. than his martial side, you know? And so like he was willing to uproot his entire family. You know, he left, apparently he left everything to, uh, oh no, this is later. But uh, so you know, he he just uh, uh, uprooted his whole life and said, "Hey, we, we want to study with this guy. It's what I want to do." You know, and it's important, obviously, for that that the spiritual aspect. So it's the 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 other side of Aikido. the the martial um, stuff that he was right, doing. right. So you know, Aikido is really like you know, 50-50, a, a spiritual martial art. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be too woo-woo about saying that, but, you know, a, a, who are you as a person? How do you develop as a person? How do you relate to society? Like that kind of life stuff, half of it's that, and the other half's how do you be martial with that, you know? And it's interesting because it seems like um, a lot of people, you know, depending on what, what Aikido camp you're in, uh, like to say that the spiritual stuff ended up happening later in his development as a teacher and that he was more you know, martially oriented or whatever you want to say early on in his teaching career. But I mean, if you look at the dates, you know, he was very early on, met this guy, you know, stopped. I think it was the stories that he stopped to pray somewhere, stopped to pray for his father on his way home to see his father. father, And, uh, you know, he met this guy and, you know, ended up on that meeting, on that whim meeting, moving to this city to study, you know, this spiritual aspect with this guy so clearly 1920 early on you know at least early on in his aikido career he that's what he was interested in so i think actually i could be wrong about this but because i didn't read this recently but uh i think his father actually passed away while he was hanging out with honest uh, and and he still didn't like hold that against him you know i could see how you'd be kind of pissed if it's like like, uh, you know some guy's like hey hang out with me a little bit and then you get back and you're like oh now my dad's dead and i I miss seeing him at the end you know Mm -hmm. but he still was really into honest so, so, and, and there's lots of stories about Yoshiba too when he was a kid, like, you know, wanting to do esoteric practices and hang out with monks and, and be out in the woods and stuff like that. So this is a guy whose life really was 50-50 martial arts spirituality. You know? 
The warrior monk. Do you have any idea? I mean, we didn't super look into this, but what Diguchi, like what he was teaching, what he was... I mean, I don't want to super get in deep to that because that's yeah, what well, we're doing I, I right now. I can't get but... that in deep, so you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a motokyo. Um, so it's like his his religion. It was his religion. And, you know, uh, Onosuburu Gucci was a significant figure in Japanese history. Uh, I don't know how significant you want to say. But, like, he was like a, you know, like a... Uh, I don't... I, the only people I can think of are, are really, really negative. And, I mean, I don't know. I guess your, your take could be on him. But, like, you know, he was like a... Uh, uh, a cult leader really like you know so uh-huh. he was a a very charismatic person who um got a lot of people to follow his way and he presented himself as a divine being uh-huh. and um that was his thing you know so like that he was a, a cult leader is what we would call him here you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so he was teaching a kind of shintoism shintoism is just a there's a lot of kinds of shinto it's like just you know uh, ancestric traditional religious practice of japan mm-hmm. um but he had omotokyo which is a kind of that you know like about i don't know enough about omotokyo to really get into it but you know it was a um a questionable religion kind of you know like mm-hmm. they got in a lot of trouble there was a lot of stuff that happened you know like so there was some incidences um and some police involvement and all kinds of different oh, things wild. happened okay. right so this is a you know this is a real cult, like you would have here. You know, a real, mm-hmm. like people doing some crazy shit, and and we don't know why they're doing it exactly. And you know, I mean, there's the same time as like Yoshiba was off trying to take over a country. I mean, like there's some real crazy stuff that was happening at this time. You know, wild. Um, and you know, the 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 side of that is generally if if someone wins and is it does well, then everyone goes, oh well, of course it took over. Right, right. You know, thank God Christianity right, took right, over the right, West right, or right. whatever, and right? And if you're on the other side, you're like, those freaks did right, right. this, you know. But but just <laughs> right. I'm just trying to make the point that like he was a very controversial figure. Right. right. Controversial, and, very charismatic. Right. Very. Right. Uh, right. And Yoshi was very drawn to him, and right. uh, you know, in a way, said uh, his. Uh, nephew said that um, uh, Yoshiba saw him as a divine being, you know, right. saw him as like a god, you know. Um, and then another note from that was that uh, during this time, studying with Deguchi and, and learning spiritual stuff from him, uh, that Deguchi had I- encouraged Yoshiba to to open a dojo at his home. Uh, That's while like nineteen twenty one or something twenty. Yeah, I, I didn't. I don't think. Yeah, I some, somewhere in there, in but the like 20s. really early nineteen twenties. Um, and during that time, also, he started what he was doing because he had been teaching Daitoryu after he had learned it in Aikido uh, five or seven years before. Um, but he started calling it Aiki, what he was doing, um, so the the stuff that he was working with. And I think that, that that makes a lot of sense considering that he was studying spiritual things and he's starting to kind of go, you know, maybe Daitoryu isn't enough for me in terms of the, this, this concept that I'm trying to get at. Um, it's this is this is a real controversial thing, and you know, Aikido historians definitely could find a plot of flaws with what we're saying here. Um, but you know, roughly 1922 is when the word Aiki started being used. Now, some people will say that's not true that uh, Sokaku Takeda created the word Aiki. Um, but I I really believe, and I mean, Inoue says definitely says that you know. Deguchi is the one who said that, and both of those guys ran with it because it kind of fit what was going what was on going, at the time. Yeah. Like it was a it was a good time to talk about stuff in that kind of way, like a little more metaphysicy, mm-hmm. you know. Like, right. Um, but yeah, so so that's when that started being used. The term Aiki, at least for Yoshiba, maybe there is a long history. Um, although, if you ask historians, they say they're almost certainly isn't a really long history. Um, I have seen some things that said uh, Sakaku Takeda had um, in in the end of the 19th century had in one of his notes the word Aiki written. And so because that was true, then maybe. But, you know, it definitely doesn't have as long of a, a history as some promoters of the word Aiki and Aiki Jiu-Jitsu yeah, yeah. would like you to believe. You know, so the idea is kind of like, oh, it's been around for, you know, 500 years in Japan. It's like, well, probably not at all. You know, like right. the word Aiki is, um, uh, was used sometimes in martial context, but generally to mean when there was a standoff in, in, a, in, a, in a duel, right? So like when two people uh-huh. were in an engagement and there was a standoff. And that means like their, their energies matched. So they can't do huh. anything, right? Like it's oh, locked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the, that changed in this, you know, in the early 1920s when the word started to be used to mean something else, right? right? Some Which other, is like yeah, yeah. to fit with someone else instead of like to be like stuck right. fitting with someone else, you know? Interesting. Huh. 
Um, so kind of leading from that, actually. Um, so we have the next kind of big moment in this story is in 1925, um, that famous duel that Ueshiba had. The duel. Um, with It was a, a naval kendo instructor? Was Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so that is also a really mysterious date. Um, one part of Aikido really holds strong to that, right? So a lot of the translations of Stevens and, and those kind of guys and the Aikikai, I think. This is like a, there was apparently some really good kendo instructor who challenged Yoishiba to a sword match. And Yoishiba said, I, if you want to use a sword, that's fine, but I don't want to use a sword. Um, and, and then something happened and different people have different accounts and they go different ways. Um, and the accounts go all the way down to like nothing accounts, like people saying like, yeah, a guy showed up and Yoshiba hit his hands and the sword fell down, uh, <laughs> all the way to accounts of like, you know, he swung at him for three hours right. and, and Yoshiba dodged every single thing he threw. And then the guy got so frustrated, he threw his own sword down to in the middle of like, they stood there and stared at each other. And the Kendo guy was too nervous to actually ever throw a blow. So he threw it down to, you know, I could go on. Lots of different people have lots of different accounts. But basically, but. something happened around 1925 that made Yuishiba say that his understanding of martial arts previous to that was now changed. Right. And he says, you know, he has a big fancy way to explain it. The ground cracked, cracked open, open, gold, right. spirits, all kinds of things <laughs> happened. Um, but basically for him, he's saying that like... I I saw all the techniques that I had learned anew. Right. Like I everything I saw before had changed for me. And so now I was doing the same stuff kind of but with a different emphasis and so it was right. different now. So that would be like uh, in a lot of ways that could be the moment that Aikido as we see it was birthed birth like right. The, right. the genesis moment right the, yeah right and i when, really in his mind anyway personally for me that's then this is you know everything's a story you sure, like to believe sure, but that's sure. a story i like to be and i don't really care how it went down but somewhere right around 1925 i think it was like summer of 1925 yuishiba goes oh the stuff i'm doing is right. actually different, different than right. i right. yeah yeah then i so have previously a, a new concept right. of it and uh yeah i just i think that that makes sense that like that's why aikido is not jujitsu it's Aikido. It's something different than right. jujitsu. And it's certainly that that story lends good support to the idea that, you know, maybe the techniques are, you know, largely the same as Daikuryu or other things that he had done. You know, the techniques themselves weren't necessarily different, uh, but the understanding of them, the, the goal of the system or whatever, the, the philosophical piece was different. Right. And that's what... Something flipped in his head as to right. how he saw it. Right. And so, to me, you know, when people are like, oh, Aikido is just a kind of jiu-jitsu, to me it's like, no, I think the statement was made that for him it became something different beginning in 1925, right. and then arguably he probably worked the next 20 years to really get that get, down, right, you know, right. like going into like 1945 or so, and we'll see in a minute why that's kind of an important time, but like he's really like figuring out what is different about jiu-jitsu and what's different about Aikido. Um, so the next date that we have on here as an important kind of landmark moment is 1931. So that's about six years later. And that's the opening of the Kobukan Dojo. Um, and it's Ueshiba's first like full dojo, you know, not his his home, you know, dojo, garage dojo kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, not just like, you know, so before that he had a, a school that he was teaching at for Onosubor de Gucci. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, not to say that wasn't a school or something, but it's not like, you know, Yuishiba's school that's his thing, you right. know? Yeah. And the Kobukan's like his thing. His full like, dojo, yeah, his he, thing. I got it now, you know? Um, and it's, you know, I mean, I look at it myself in this because, you know, we filter things through our own impression, but, you know, I taught in, in the park for whatever, like, four years or whatever. And then I taught in my garage dojo for another five, six years. And then I actually got in a, a real school at Aikido Fresno. And that's when I look at it as like, I really, you know, I was right. teaching pretty much full time before, but like, that's when it was really like, now I'm doing it just as a profession and that's what I'm doing. And that's my real school now, you know? And that was in, uh, was that in Tokyo? The Kobukan? So I think it is. So that's the same building that the modern one is. Let me just double check. So they destroyed <laughs> that building at some point, like six. Right, in the, that was sixty-seven. In the, in the late sixties, yeah. And they built the right, and they built the wooden the big building was gone. One. It was a big thing, right. but for it's people. on the same spot, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah, the same yeah. spot. Yeah, so that's Tokyo. Got it. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of a big deal because that was the first time that he was doing fully his thing and fully his own space. You know, come learn Aikido from me. 
Right. And they're calling it, I think, basically Aikibudo and Aikijujitsu at that right. point. He wasn't really um, calling it Aikido quite yet. Right. Um, but, like, he was using the word Aiki, and he had clearly by then separated from Daito Ryu, and it's like Daito Ryu was no longer included in the certificates or anything, and it was it was a new thing. It was, he's doing his own thing. And, yeah. And I don't think this is any coincidence is this is after his enlightenment moment, you know? And, and honestly, with that enlightenment moment, even if he didn't, nothing physically ever happened, he decided at some point, this right, is right, not right. that anymore. And and I think the Kobukon is, like, uh, the example of that, you know? It's like, okay, now this is something right. different. Now We're I'm working on a different thing right. now. Yeah, it's momentous because it's um, a physical representation of him doing his own thing. Right, right. That's right. Um, and so next we kind of have from there, 10 years later, um, in 1942, uh, three actually big things all kind of happening in the same year or around the same well, year. Well, I think, yeah, that, that early 1940, like actually most of the, the 40s in terms of like Aikido in Japan, I feel like was a big yeah yeah. Like, it's coming to its own. It's now. coming into fruit within right. Japan, right? You know, right? Yeah. Not just a guy who's good at martial arts doing martial arts, but like Japan's starting to recognize, like, right. oh, there's this thing that's kind of cool, and a lot of stuffs going on with it. Yeah. So um, in 1942, he, like we had mentioned up to that point, he had been calling Aiki Budo, Aiki Jujitsu, other things, um, and so in 1942 he starts calling it Aikido, and at the same time also moved himself, his family, uh, to Awama. And um, at the, in the, also in the same year, Aikido is recognized by the Japanese government. And so the biggest thing happening in this year, not related to Aikido, but um, is, the, uh, is World War II. And so right. that kind of influenced right. all these different pieces yeah. Yeah. for him. You know, he's wanting to get away from the politics and the craziness of everything, you know, and I don't know, it's got to be on your mind. Bombs can be dropped yeah. and all kinds of Tokyo things, you Tokyo can't know? be a great yeah. place to yeah. be. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't live here, you <laughs> in, know. Uh, the middle of World War II. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he secluded himself away in Iwama, and um, uh, that's where, you know, depending on who you talk to, it's like Aikido really kind of became its own format. Like, not only was he calling it something different and thinking about it differently, but he actually started for himself to systematize it in another way, you know, and... Arguably, I think we can say Yoishiba never really systematized his system. Like, you know, he was always kind of working on it. It's like a guy perpetually tinkering on something cool. Um, and then later, all of his different students really made their own systems right. of those ideas. Um, but I think Iwama's like, you know, where he sat down to brass tacks the most, right, you know. Right. And I don't think there was a lot going on, you know. Like, so, I mean, there's a fucking war and crazy shit's happening, you know. And, and most of the young people are off fighting and all kinds of stuff. So, it's like if you uh, listen to like... Um, Saito Sensei or uh, uh, Tohei or something who someone who was around Iwama early on, they're saying stuff like you know there was hardly anyone in Iwama Dojo. Right, you know right. there were very few Chideshi. There really weren't many Soto Deshi. There were you know like so so it's like it it was a time that it was like him and a few dudes cracking right, on Aikido right. and they were just know? hashing it out. Right, right, yeah. So that's a big that that is probably a, a fruitful time in terms of their him and his early students understanding of what this thing right. is. Yeah, what this thing is. Yeah. And I, I think that's where you get stuff like, you know, you know, each one of the the main disciples of Yoshiba has their own take on it, of course. And and each one of them is legitimate because they all studied with the guy and and saw what they saw. But I think this is why Saito Sensei you know, when you read Saito Sensei stuff, there's kind of this feeling that it's like, well, but I mean, I really have the last interpretation of Aikido from Yoshiba, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I think that's where he gets it. It's like, well, we were secluded together off in Iwama for a while. Yeah, a and it's like, time. that's right, what, right, that's right. where it really became his, his yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing, you know, and, and I think everyone else has a legitimate claim too. I'm just saying that I think that was an interesting time in Aikido while he was in Iwama. Right. And I think something else was going on really important, which is, a lot of other people were really working on Aikido in their own ways right, around right. this point. With, you know? Within Japan as well. So meaning that Aikido is starting to become maybe not just Ueshiba's thing anymore, right. but other people's projects as well. You know? Because he had already had at least three students, three big name students big split. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of students at bunch, that point. But, but, you know, split off and kind of start doing their own, start teaching Aikido as well. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, really big names, you know, like they don't, you know, so like I outline those six guys that I think are really important, but there's a lot of really important smaller characters. And I don't mention them because it's just like what we traditionally know now as Aikido, those guys weren't as involved with, right. you know, but that's not to say that those guys weren't doing a lot right. to at, spread at Aikido right, and, right. and do their right. 
thing and like develop Aikido and look at it and like there's a lot of guys that we could go back and say like you know like probably no one knows their names other than you know real Aikido historians but they were very influential for a bit there you know yeah um and so kind of following with that in 1948 he the name of his of the dojo changes to Hombu Dojo Aikikai Federation that's the the official name of the dojo um that's what it changes to and and hanbu means like the main the deal main, the big deal the, the, the home school home, yeah there you go yeah home base of, of the aikido Aikikai or aiki yeah um and then um in 1951 we see kind of another big jump um so throughout uh the you know the whole 40s basically he's in iwama um you know running his dojo um and then we see kind of this is the first big step um, in this timeline, at least, that we have where it doesn't necessarily uh, center around Ueshiba. Right, because the, the like at some point, the Hanbo goes back to Tokyo, right? Right, yes. Even though yeah. he's still in Iwama? Right. Yes. So in 1951, uh, Mochizuki makes a trip to France, which is, and this is, you know, he's kind of credited for being the first, but it's the same year everyone's all kind of spreading out yeah. outside of Japan. Yeah. Mochizuki went to France, and then, like, right after that, all kinds of people start going to Europe and the U.S. and different places. Chiba-sensei, Abe-sensei, right. Tohei. Yeah, right. And lots of guys, lots of guys um, are spreading Aikido around the world. So Aikido's now really not just symbolically anymore leaving Ueshiba, but right. truly leaving Physically. Japan. Well, yeah. and is that... So who what who's in charge at this point? Like so, I think Tohei's in charge at this point because Tohei was in charge of the Aikikai for a while right. um, before he got upset. And so, uh, so O Sensei is there, but he's as a figurehead. He's older right, at this point, you know. He's yeah. in his seventies at this point, right? Well, so like, the the dojo I have here that that it reverted uh, the Hombu dojo. The title of Hombu reverts back to um, Tokyo in 1953. And so that's, you know, 1951 guys start spreading it and then the title Hombu moves back to, to Tokyo and where, where uh, Ueshiba wasn't in 1953. So those all throughout the 50s, it kind of looks like Aikido is starting to, you know, the, the, the baby birds are leaving the nest. Right, that's exactly you know? right. It's growing up. It's, right. it's growing up. Um, and then we see, you know, 10 years later after 1951, in 1961, O-sensei makes his only trip to the u.s his first and only trip um to hawaii and that's also the inauguration of the first school outside of japan like full school like aikido right that's like you know recognized as a real school outside of of japan so within those 10 years from like 1951 to 1961 where guys are going out of japan and and maybe you know spreading it around yeah and doing other stuff too so you know like um uh mochizuki you know he was teaching mostly judo but Uh introducing aikido and he was there for a couple years so it's you know i'm sure he had i don't i don't know the whole story but i'm sure he had a little space and he was doing some stuff and called it a dojo and had a dojo but it's not like you know a a real permanent establishment right like a a big time right like a big time dojo you know and so lots of people are i think going around the world doing basically that making little schools small schools you Mm -hmm. know like the equivalent of a quote-unquote garage school you know what i mean like a, a a little school that's doing some stuff right. but not a major you know like right like a hub right a hub a yeah, place that people would come it. visit and go right this is a big aikido school <clears throat> um and did he go to hawaii to uh just to kind of was it like uh so tohei took him there right was invited him right there and was it was he teaching or was he it mainly taught, for yeah, him there's to video teach, from or? That. you can see the video yeah, yeah, from that. yeah. yeah so he, he teaches yeah, um video. yeah was it more also for him to, to be like, you know, look what we've done, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah. like, And, you know, there's still a lot of tension at this point um, uh, from from the war, you know? Like, right, you know, like, right. it's basically relieved, but it's like, okay, right. we're friends again, and everything's cool, and I can go to the U.S., and we don't hate each other, right. and we're building a bridge of humanity across. Like a symbol and, of good faith. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're getting cool again. Everything's right. okay. And yeah. this was around the time that, that Aikido people began to recognize Aikido as, like, its its thing and it became is this where it first became started becoming popular uh outside of of japan yeah i mean popular is relative i mean you know, like, right yeah right. But, but like yeah like, these people were doing it people knew understood what it knew and, what it was right, right. it wasn't yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah okay 
Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, Tolhe was very responsible for a lot of that, you know, like um, the spread of it to the West, you know. Um, And I'm sure, you know, my my views are always a little skewed because I am from the U.S. And so, like, you know, I've been around U.S. teachers, and even more so, it's always skewed towards California. So so it's like I'm sure there were a lot of awesome things that I don't know about going on in the U.K. So Hawaii is important to us because it was Hawaii to California was the progression, right? Right. So – they hit Hawaii and right. then they hit. California. And so to me, it's a bigger deal, but yeah. it, it might not be. And so you know, like, right. no, there's someone true. in Melbourne right now who's like, "Well, you know what happened?" Right, right. right. And or, I think that's legitimate. You know, yeah, I don't know as much or, about yeah, that. Right, yeah, right. but I mean, I think more importantly is just to highlight that during that during the full 1950s, that whole you know decade is when we start seeing guys making pilgrimages That's right. That's right. out of to Japan. To all kinds of places. To, yeah. to spread it to to Europe, to right. other places. Of Asia. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Klein, that's, mm-hmm. that was... Right, yeah, that's what was that going on with Chita Sensei, yeah. yep. So. Um, and then, so then, the next kind of, I don't know, the gaps that we have here kind of are getting a little bit bigger. Um, but in, in um, 1969, you know, so that's... Eight years later, after Sensei takes his trip to Hawaii, at, at which point he's an old man, um, he dies in 1969. Um, and uh, he was he teaching in Uwama pretty much up to his so up to his death. I, I've heard different people say different kinds of things. Uh, I, from the feeling I get is there was a really short period where he wasn't in the dojo. Uh-huh. Now, how much he was teaching, I think, right. had been tapering off for years. Like so, meaning yeah. like. He was around, but maybe just watching class, or right. he'd show up and do a quick demo, or he would, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was around, but I, I think, you know, Saito was was teaching for a while at that point, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and, you know, I don't know, from old videos I've seen, and it could just be because when the film crew showed up, like, for a long time, it seemed like Yoshiba was just kind of sitting in the corner, like, checking out what was going right, on and right. letting other people teach, and, mm-hmm. and me, as I've matured as a teacher, I'm seeing this happen more and more, too, where it's like, uh, like, a lot of times, most of my students basically have the problem solved right, and so, so i'm just kind of like, watching and going right. like eh, if these guys can't explain it i'll pop in there and explain it but generally they can solve it you know what i mean so so i could see especially as you know he had cancer and your health starts failing that it's like ah you know these guys can handle it i'll show up and see what's going on because I, mm-hmm. I like to hang out yeah, but yeah. and it seemed like a long like throughout the entire aikido community at that point that there were enough independent, you know, first-generation students, you know, people that he had taught through different parts of his life that were totally independent, totally, like, doing their own thing, having their own dojos, you know, yep. independent of him. This is this is all the time, you know, it's maybe, like, 15 years there or something, but, like, that the handoff is happening. Right. That it's yeah. like, you a know, very like, warm handoff. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and a slow, gradual handoff, right, right. you know. And, yeah, and, uh, not necessarily always warm, but right, like right. slow, <laughs> right, right. Warm and, handoff in the sense of it's happening slowly, right, and, right. Know, and and I think that's time. that's an important thing to me to realize, and that like all Aikido students now, I think should really realize. Although we've had a hard time with this, is Aikido belongs to the world now, right, right. You know, right, like right. Aikido is its own community in the world, and so like you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, well, Yuashiba didn't like this. And it's like, well, that's the interpretation of a lot of people who really weren't around him or people who were around him only when they were young or people who were around him for two years or people who got an opinion from this thing. Like, it's like, it really belongs to the world overall. So in some ways, it's like, it doesn't matter what Yuashiba thought anymore because the handoff happened. Right, right. right. Um, and so that handoff is like, you know, it belongs to the world now. And, and what does the world think Aikido is? And as practitioners as a whole, what do we kind of all agree about? And, you know, what, what are the similarities and differences? And like, I think that's an important thing to understand that it got handed off. You know? I think it's kind of like, um, like as a person growing up, you know, if you, if your parents raised you, you know, for whatever, 18 years, 18, 20 years, um, when you're young, it's all about like what your parents taught you. That's right. Um, because you've only spent your whole life with your parents. So like you're, that's the origin of you, you know, just like the origin of Aikido is completely centered around Ueshiba because that was for the first, whatever, 50 years or something, 30 years, or I don't know, 40 years. Um, that was Aikido was what he he had done. But after like a certain point, you step out of your parents kind of, uh, influence uh, out of their, their circle of influence and you start doing your own thing, becoming your own person. I think that's what Aikido has done since then. And just like as you get older, your influence of your parents becomes less and less a part right. of you. That's right. Just like as Aikido gets older, right. 
the the importance of Ueshiba, the importance of, of him as an influencer, you know, becomes smaller and smaller as a proportion of right. the life of IQ. And it's like, you know, you'll always be the child of your parents. You'll totally. always have their DNA. That, that right. will never change. You'll, oh, your origin will always be your origin. Well, right. and you also begin to understand, I think, as you're older, the things that your parents taught you when you were younger. So a lot of times you're doing things when you're young and you don't understand them. And they're just sort of there and whatever. And later, with reflection and years of whatever, uh, you know, time, you go, oh, I see that my parents were correct in these right. things that they were teaching. Me. Right. But right. they were also limited in these right. things, you know. And so as we kind of have a longer time post Ueshiba, we have our own life. You know, the, the life of, like Aikido becomes the world's thing rather than just Ueshiba's, you right. know. Right. You, you don't just become, you know, I'm not, you know, Kathleen and Scott's daughter. Now I'm just Maya. As I as I become older and older and older, like right. it's not you know oh you're Kathleen's daughter. It's like you're just right. you're, you're just you. You're Maya. You know yep. yeah yeah. So then um, I don't know. We did want to right after actually the year of the death of Osensei. We have 1970. Uh, the publication of Aikido in the Dynamic Sphere, and there were a lot of other books uh, sure. that were published before sure. this point, but. This is kind of a big Man, I landmark think, I think it's book. such an influential book. You yeah. know, I think it's really influential. And, um, you know, it's coming from uh, Tohei's lineage. Um, but, but it's it, written by Americans, by right? By some Americans. Right, and some... by some Americans who were Shodans at the time. And they've yeah. got their own ideas. And so there's lots of reasons why I think this is an important work. Because it's like, that's maybe, if not the first work, definitely one of the first works that someone totally unrelated to Yoshiba who's making a book right. and saying so like, it's like the the second second generation third generation gener- like or Boy, second hard i to mean count. like yeah. but the it's 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 one, toy students it's one you know remove yeah so so from, yeah or it's yeah one removed from the source we right. could call it i guess second generation if first generation was Yoshiba students right Yes, students right. of the yeah, students, yeah, yeah. so like yeah, second right. generation. Yeah, and, and so and it was also super influential. Like a lot of the ideas that are espoused in that book are held true as today, Aikido right. today. And so like lots and of ways. And I would think, especially in, we talk about this in the pop culture one, I, I feel like uh, it, the aesthetic of the book, the, um, the you know, the it's all about those pictures and everyone... That is something that I think a lot of people still hold to. You yeah, know, as the, the aesthetic of Aikido, yeah. Aikido yeah. and I mean, the, how it should look and how the it, the movement sort of uh, unfolds. The first know? third of that book also does a really uh, complete job of trying to explain how they understand Aikido right. works, and this is really nice because um, if you read other people. Um, they don't go into that st- the theory as much, you know. Uh-huh. Like they talk about the techniques and they talk about how you do things and what the proper stuff is. But but you know, those two really made an effort to attempt to like explain to a Westerner what this crazy right. thing was about. Like how, you know? yeah, and and how to how to approach it, right? Like and what was different about it and why it was a different thing. It's funny because reading it now, of course, it, it's kind of it's very dated. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it feels totally dated. But you can also see why, like, if you were a Westerner who had never been to Japan, um, you know, and you're interested in this, you know, quote unquote Oriental, um, <laughs> as they would I'm, say in the book, Asian. right, right. I, I'm putting quotation marks around that. Um, this this art, you're like. It's it's nice because the book answers so many questions that those other books maybe right. weren't right. covering. Right. The idea of like, what is the aesthetic? Of, what is because that's how Westerner would ask. What's the about, yeah right? Um, what, and so, what are these weird people doing? Right. Why are they sitting on their knees? Why right. are they right. you know? Like, and it does take a little bit, I think, to so there were other books that were done that were written by you know a sensei had a, a book you know or whatever, and there were various, but that's a leap. Um, and also like a translation that's happening too, right? Like right, so, if right. I'm a normal, these are native speakers, uh, right? If talking I'm, about it, in right? Their if first I'm language. from the West um, and I want to read O Sensei's book, it's like I either have to learn Japanese or trust someone who right? who is through a tra- and so things get lost. This is just direct. Yep, direct this is what we source, think Aikido right? is. You know, it's palatable. I mean, that yeah, I feel like palatable. palatable to a Western audience, and I don't mean to be. I don't think any of us mean to be Western centric, but I mean this is the the, the lens through which we're looking at it. Um, but in you know looking at it as it's spreading beyond its you know origination in Japan, like 
seeing it as a like a worldwide thing and i think globally now we're more of a westernized kind of global culture that's an important moment is seeing it through you know this you know America. western <laughs> this yeah. like western perspective you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah. But I mean, more, you know, I mean, even more than American. Yeah, yeah, Western right, perspective. Western. Because, not yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah, American yeah. necessarily, but, but like I mean, this, you know. Yeah, it's like anyone who can speak English now, you can get this in a language that's not Japanese anymore. For you know, like, Right, right. And yeah. Um, and so, so that then, was in 1970. 1970, yeah. So big deal. Um, and that also too, I mean, that tracks exactly with, we've talked about this in the past, but like this... Um, obsession in western culture starting in the 70s moving into the 80s and 90s is this obsession with um you know uh, martial arts the secret martial arts yeah martial arts stuff and you start to see you know movies and 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 tv shows and things books revolving around you know kung fu right exactly and so that was hitting right as that was starting to get interesting and ramp up and and westerners were being interested in what are these mysterious ideas from the east you know right right um and then in 1976, uh, kind of in a different uh, direction, we have the uh, foundation of the international, or the first meeting of the International Aikido Federation, um, which was meant as a kind of more global um, group. Right. Of, yeah, the organiza- yeah, organization of, of, the... of uh, dojos, of practitioners, <laughs> something beyond just um, something within a country or right. something. Uh, a rela- relationship between a few dojos. It was meant as a larger group. Let's establish some ideas. Let's establish an identity, some rules, you know, that's becoming a larger community. Right. Hooky, re-kind of connecting each other, all these, because now Aikido had been in these different places. Let's all kind of reconvene and decide together what our collective yeah, what do we care about? identity yep. is. Yeah. And so that's kind of an important moment this there. Is, this is 43 years ago. Like, I mean, that's nuts that like, we're still having the same questions now. Right? <laughs> Well, and there's something that's really interesting. I'll let you, because we only have a few more of these, and then, you know, I I think I have a point about some of this, but let's kick through, because we only have a few more of these. Yeah. Um, And so the next kind of big jump, like I said, we only have a couple couple left here. Um, In 1988, uh, (laughs) the movie Above the Law comes out. Yeah. And that's uh, Steven Seagal's big breakout Aikido movie yeah. probably the first time i would think that mass audiences saw yes. the thing that is aikido yes. talked about as I, I mean i don't know this is where we get for the first time i think for aikido beyond people who are just interested in martial arts right. you know what i mean like yeah. people are casually interested in martial arts instead of people who want to study it because before that only people who did martial arts would know about aikido right. you know right um and so steven seagal making that movie and like the beginning of the movie's got him doing some aikido geowaz that looks right. awesome and got this westerner and he's speaking in japan and he's showing these japanese businessmen or something some stuff and and it's awesome you know and, and so it's like you get the feeling it's like whoa this is some kind of cool thing that's happening you know like this is different and that that's when you know like so all the aikido teachers in the west will say that's when business started booming right, right, you know like right. So that was yeah, and I mean, so that good. that would be a uh, really important moment because it allowed a bunch of schools to continue to operate That's right. through the and, big right. part and of thr- the not 90, just operate but to thrive, thrive well well into the nineties and put them in a position where we are today. And th- they think those two points, you know, the nineteen seventy six Aikido Federation, International Aikido Federation, and then the movie coming out, you know, twelve years later above the law. Um, <laughs> Um, that really kind of perfectly sets up this, like the peak of Aikido, you know, the, those, that generation right there of really successful big dojo Aikido, right, you know, right, and, and that kind of peaking along right. with that cultural, like we've talked about in the past, the cultural interest in martial arts and, in you know, uh, Eastern philosophies right. and that all, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, that second generation of Aikido teachers really benefited, you right, know, like right. that, it all hit at once for them. Yeah. And we, we should make the point, I guess, that, um, you know, Seagal was also part of that. I mean, it wasn't oh, like yeah. he was outside of it as, uh, it wasn't like he was just an actor. No. Like, no, he, he was part of that community. Seventh Dawn, I think, at that time. Yeah, he I mean, was part he, of that he community. He went to Japan, like, legit, so. did all the Aikido stuff, you know, married the right people, did everything that one needs to do. <laughs> Uh, in order to, right. you know, and that's a funny joke, but it's like if you look at the history, it's right. like that's, um, 
you know, I think it's Mochizuki or Abe. I don't remember who, but like they're saying like, a, like, well, Yuishiba wanted me to become part of his family, but so did this other guy from the Kendo Federation. So, so whose right, family right, should right, I join? Right. Like, I mean, it's really like that idea that, um, like, like still like that idea of like a dynasty or like, right. uh, you know, sure, like uh, IQ or martial arts royalty meeting, yeah. like marrying and meeting each other and having these relationships. Does Chuck Norris have a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> She might be around, right around my age to get in on that. Jesus. You better hope Chuck didn't hear you. You'll I feel know, the pain right? any second oh now, bro. Oh, my gosh. Don't even go there. Yeah. You get a letter in the mail, and it's just a foot right to the face. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so around that time, you know, the late 1980s to early 1990s, Stephen Gall- Seagal's career's uh, very doing real well, yeah. Doing really well. He's making movies. Uh, being... Perfect time to write. He's like you know the best, next best, uh, the next big martial arts star after you get the Bruce Lee, Chuck right, Norris right. kind of thing, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's the next guy to kind of like. Boom. And he's talking about uh, martial arts and Aikido, um, not only you know in the movies he's doing it in interviews on and talk stuff. shows and oh yeah, he's, man, you know, and and others are talking about you know. I remember when Under Siege came out. Um, and Gary Busey was talking about, you know, oh, Steven Seagal. And he really <laughs> was talking up Steven Seagal's, like, uh, you know, pra- like his martial arts prowess. And I don't think that he called it IQ, but the way that he was talking about it, I mean, it really, like, the right, mythos right. was there strong. You know, right. like, oh, I went to hit him, and then he disappeared, and then I got yeah. thrown across the room or yep. whatever. You and know? that's really important, you know, in, like, in the 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 story of Aikido and the, the the community of Aikido and I know that like I'm sure there's different people listening and different people saying well I would do Aikido anyways even if it wasn't or I started Aikido before and you know because like I think sometimes you know a lot of people don't want to associate with Steven Seagal for a variety of reasons yeah. but like overall looking at Aikido like the the as the, like the, this body as this community like and it, it would not have been it, what it was right. without him. Exactly. Absolutely. And so, like, it, to ignore that is kind of silly, it's silly, you know, and, and whatever ideas it's you not even have about that. There weren't other but, movies, you know. So, like, yeah. Sean Connery is, I think, I think he was a Nidon in Aikido, and uh, he did it for one of the James Bond movies. He practiced Aikido. Right. And so, yeah. uh, not that that stuff wasn't out there, but it just didn't make the impression that Steven Seagal did. You know, there was the challenge that was a big movie over here that, you know, Steven Seagal had actually done some of the choreography before. There was lots of stuff, but, like, that movie really hit and resonated with people. And like Josh was saying, the mythos of Steven Seagal and of what Aikido was, like him popularizing that that to the mainstream culture. Right. Still carries on. That's keeping the wheels turning. Because we still ask the question, well, is Steven Seagal the real deal? Yes, you're real deal or is he fake? You know, and it's like, so (laughs) how do I answer that question? (laughs) Let's hit hit the last one and then Um, so and this is kind of coming to closer to today. uh, yeah, but but we did want to, and this isn't really specifically Aikido, uh, but right, but right, right. but this leads us to a where where the community is at today, and it, it helps to inform where where we're at now. Um, in 1993, we have the rise of the popular popularity of MMA, the first UFC, right? And I think that's an important thing to 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 mention because that began the decline of traditional right. martial arts, like. Uh, we had a new way of looking at things, and we're like, you know what? I think this way is better. The sports system is better, and um, sport martial arts just started dominating Dominate, right. from that point and on. And not just Aikido, but Right, every, and so the yeah. popularity uh, like, of traditional martial arts is kind of slowly fading right. after the and even 70s, like 80s. And even traditional like, like sports martial you know, mm-hmm. so like boxing also took a hit. As, oh yeah, and continues to. Oh yeah, as MMA is. Yeah, you know. right. So it's it's it's. A, I think it's an interesting to, thing to understand and interesting how that's changed our psychology of what's important because you know if you definitely go back to like you know uh, the 1970s and like kung fu is the big TV show yeah. and people are thinking like oh it's this mind stuff you do and that's what's awesome is this mind stuff and these special techniques and then you know after 1993 it's like well I think those guys might be able to beat up those right. mind people those mind so if they people. can beat up the mind people then the mind people suck you know and uh, uh, we're dealing with that now 
still in the form of, oh, maybe we should do some kind of sports stuff with Aikido because right. that clearly works, you know, like right. put works in quotes. Right. Because, this idea of like pressure testing right. something. Right, right, know? right. And I think there's a lot of awesome stuff. Like, you know, I'm very grateful that that happened as martial arts because it showed me a lot of things and, and going through that was important. And then now to me, it's like, well, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater right. though because there's a lot of great stuff in in predecessors to that so the point i wanted to make about this is a thing that i noticed as we were putting this together is um you know from the beginning to 1960s ish a lot from 1970s ish till now nothing yeah very very little (laughs) not so much yeah and so my question is you know are we just not is it that nothing happened and so like yeah the most important thing is steven seagal which in some ways is like Come on, really? But in some ways, maybe legit. Right. Yeah. So my question is, is is it that we're missing something? um, And then for whatever reason, we haven't been paying attention. um, Or is it just that in that period of time, not a whole lot has happened? And if that's the case, then maybe that might be a reason why we're at where we're at now, right? Is because it stopped. It got to the point that it got to, and for whatever reason, it just stopped. It stopped growing. It stopped cha- like it just was there, and it stagnated. Um, yeah, I think. And, and, and was is that and why might that be? You know, it, I think it's a a big generalization to say nothing has happened in between. But, you know, but, well, I mean, not important milestones that you can see or right. like, like, oh, that was a big deal. So look, tons of little organizations formed, right. tons of dojos opened, tons of people got their black belts. Tons of those things happened from 1976 to now. But we've seen a large, like, splintering, sp- like, uh, d- dividing of the community it's, into smaller it's, pieces. It's been just more of the same. Uh, right. You know, it's all those things repeated again in microcosms. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, this guy formed this dojo, and then this dojo did this, and then made official organization, right. and then we moved here, and then this guy was in this movie, or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, things but it was a big deal. Yeah. You know? And, and I just wonder, and, and you, have, you wonder if that's just the general cycle of things. Um, and if that's the case, you know, then you wonder, well, has... If that's the general cycle of things, then has the the art come full? I mean, is it has it traveled its full uh, life cycle? Realm? Is yeah. it done? You know, is the art through? I mean, are we now just sort of re- recycling? So, so if we look at boxing, right? And I'm certainly not a boxing historian, but I'm going to give you the highlights as I know them. You know, boxing, uh, Western boxing, started forming. In um, uh, the end of the 19th century, uh, when swords were phasing out, and those guys still like to get together and saber fight and stuff, and they started fencing, and they started boxing, and some tough guys took it up, and they started having more competitions, and boxing started getting formalized, and then boxing got really popular around the 1920s, 1930s, and then kind of died out and wasn't super big not that it disappeared but it wasn't super big and then in the 1970s or 1960s probably with muhammad ali bang a big thing happened again and boxing super popular again all the way through the 70s and 80s and mike tyson was kind of the tail end of that and then the boxing started to go down and now we don't know as much about boxing now look there have been tons of good boxers then tons of amazing people doing amazing things boxing fights still do well but in the public's mind things you know once they kind of settle on what it is then it kind of fades out for a while until you get another personality who comes in and says like, bang, this is awesome. Right. Let's and do this and thing. It's you know? not what you think it is right. or I'm looking at it different or I'm <clears throat> doing it differently or I'm bringing something new to the, even if it's just a personality. Right, yeah. right. And I mean, you know, it's not that we don't have personalities. I mean, the last few years we've had several little pop-up personalities that have come up. But none of them have really, you know, they've been a personality. They said some things. They said some inflammatory stuff or some people go like, I like that way. But they really haven't done anything with that, you know. So so we haven't had anyone who like is a personality and really drove the art to a new place yet. And so I think we're just in a lull right now. Um, and that lull could 
kill us, you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, it just gets so unpopular that, you know, look at uh, organs, you know, organs, the, like, a, like a piano-like thing that yeah, blows yeah. air, oh, you yes. know, through pipes. pipes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was <laughs> That's really, random. really yeah. popular. Well, because I watched this, uh, <laughs> this um, uh, monologue of this, uh, it was called Confessions of a Church Organist, and he was talking about how, and I didn't know this until I watched it. Organs, uh, pipe organs, were super popular in the 1970s, and most people had a little one in their home. And it's funny. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. little silly electric yeah, things. Yeah. Josh has got one yeah, in his yeah. house. Yeah. Um, but like that was really, really popular, and then it died off. And so he was talking, you know, he was giving this monologue, and he was saying that like now, good luck being an organist, you know. Right, right. And in fact, pianos have disappeared, and so you're a keyboardist now, and you, right, you know right, what I mean. Right, like, yeah. and now, honestly, you're maybe not even a keyboardist; you're, you're a computer right, controller or some guy, kind of synthesizer, um, right? Right, yeah. exactly, right. And that so like maybe use is sent the keys so yeah. that got so unpopular and technology boomed so much that organists just disappeared like the skill of organists just huh. disappeared so you know it could be that we're in such a lull that aikido will just disappear now i hope that's not true right um and i i'm i'm doing my part i think to, right. to try and make it not so but who knows what'll happen you know do you think that um at least for martial arts because there seems to be a pattern here that like people are attracted to martial arts, but are really attracted to a personality, a person and their specific, like, philosophy or idea of a or representation of the thing as being a physical, like, a person representation of a larger idea. Like Steven Seagal, like Ueshiba, like, I you know. I think that there are people who are martial artists and people who are going to become martial artists. Those people who are interested in that, and it doesn't matter who the fuck's doing what. Right. They hear about this, and they're like, that might make my life better, and then they get involved in it, and uh-huh. then it does make their life better, and it's an essential part of their life, and they're going to do martial arts no matter what. Right. Then there are people, and this is what actually makes things make money and get popular right. and be driven and find more of those people who are you know martial artists. Um, there is a system that makes people excited about things, and that system is simply exciting adventure stuff and that's a personality followed by an interesting concept something that's different and new i mean like look at crossfit you know like crossfit just exploded and and there's punch a little neat personalities but also the idea was neat you know like to people it's like it was the first time people were like oh don't just get good at running or don't just get good at swimming or don't just get good but let's do it all don't just get yoked yeah, right, don't just right. get yoked, right? Be physically super fit, you know? And then that, that explodes. And and now, arguably, I think you're seeing a decline in CrossFit because it's like people are like, okay, we know what that's yeah, about. we now. can do that. Right. right. And there yeah. are some hardcore CrossFitters who are always going to be that way. Hardcore workout people who are always going to be that way. And hardcore people even before CrossFit. But now mm-hmm. it's just in a decline. It's like you know? the alluring mystery of something. And, and oftentimes right. a person will carry that idea, right. represent that idea. And so people are drawn to the alluring mystery of that's that right. thing. And then once we collect go oh, okay now we know what that is right which is you know and, and i'm gonna sound like a like a like i never stop harping about this but that's why we can't as the martial artist people who we are you know if you're listening to this you're a martial artist people because aikido is not popular right. right right so so it's not like you're not you driven like to it, it because you, know, you like yeah aikido. you like it because you like aikido um so it can't really be about the money right now you know and i think we're seeing stuff happen like i noticed a sharp drop in prices of seminars recently because it's like we need more people to right. study Aikido, and right. I care about it. Can't it can't be cost prohibitive for the people that are into it. That's right. You know? We can't be also, turning away people who do like it. Yep. You know? And that's also why we're seeing a big group of people going like, what does it mean? What is it? What is our philosophy? How does it work? And like, we need to explain that to people because I love this thing, and I want it to go on. Right. Know? We can't sit on our laurels anymore and just go, people just like this because right. it's great. Right. You know, right. Now that's we got to go, okay, for the people that are really, that would come to Aikido, that are wanting to learn it, that are martial arts people, why should they stay you know right what do we have to offer those people that are going to be interested in it and and you know why should they stay yeah yeah and that's our next podcast (laughs) i feel like we that's all of our podcasts so i mean that is all we are at 57 minutes right now it's a long episode for the for 100 for the 100 oh um Well, I was going to say... I'm one, always self-congratulatory. You, yeah. Um, one more important milestone Uh-oh. in Aikido's history is the <laughs> introduction of Aikido Discussed. Oh, yeah. That's the first key. episode. That's December of 2017. Yeah. Ooh, thank God that happened. Right. Woo. Oh, what'd we do? That's... What'd we do with that thing? <laughs> that great piece of podcasting. I hear the sound on that one is really like... I heard shitty for about 20 episodes. That's what I hear. <laughs> Maybe more, yeah. actually. Start at episode 52... Yeah, is that One where year. we go? I don't is that know. where we go yeah. good? Something like that. Whatever. <laughs> when we get good microphones, yeah. we start yeah. making more sense. All right.
Well, that's it. I think uh, hopefully we covered a yeah. lot. I'm sure there's stuff that maybe we left oh, out. Lots of people I would be interested. Offended. I mean, I, if you're offended about stuff, <clears throat> cool. Or if you think we messed up, let us know. But I'm interested if there are events or, or moments that we left out um, that other people think are important. If they would let us know, because yeah, I would like know, to know, and, and then we, we think, yeah, then we'll, maybe we'll do because then we could, yeah, that. talk about it because there probably are moments. Totally. That, that we're we not hitting on or... that someone is like, oh, yeah, this yeah. thing happened. And we're like, well, damn, yeah, of course that's Yeah, up. we missed and that And especially if, if there's something maybe past that 1976, you know, in that period, the, the latter period of it where we didn't think there's a whole lot happening. If there are moments, please let us know because yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, to me, I, when I was in high school, I... Uh, was in an American history class, and I was ready to be really bored by it. But as we actually got into the last hundred years, for me, I was like, oh, hey, I really like studying the last hundred years because this is actually what has real true influence on me and my parents and my grandparents and my generation. And so I feel like with Aikido, it's nice because it's really from the last hundred years. All the stuff that all these points that we're hitting are have direct uh influence on where we're at now you know and our identity as a community now you know and where we see these debates about what is aikido who are we is it martial is it art is it martial art at all you know that stuff even the and i i I hesitate to mention this but even the the recent like controversy um with the usaf and the women's petition like that's all a part of like what are we now you know who do we want to be are we are we, is this good enough or do we need to figure out how to be better about what we're doing? You know, our, how are our systems, our, our, um, institutions, what are, are they old? Do they need to be restructured? Do we need to, you know, ask questions about why are these institutions here? Like that's all part of this, where we're at now. And it's good to look at where we came from and see that that's all been building up to where we're at, you know. And hopefully learn from some of the mistakes made in the past because there's lots of, you know, we left off a lot of the bitchy stuff um, (laughs) because we didn't need to put it in there. But but there was definitely lots of politics and lots of snippy stuff. You know who doesn't know about Aikido? You know who says they know about Aikido? Like, you know, so so like hopefully we can learn from that and be like, well, let's let's try not to be like that. And hopefully, you know, for for people where these – uh, pieces of information are new to you that this sparks um, some more uh, more research for yeah. you you know more right, uh, right, looking right. into this because obviously this is like a just a big generalization and you know a short podcast yeah so so do more research and, and you know get interested in in that history if that's something that is uh, interesting to you we have three new ones also what? yes we do i was gonna go ahead and mention them. three new patrons so podcast patrons thank you so thank much thank you guys for supporting us we appreciate it um so i'm gonna go ahead and read down some of these guys list. have been supporting us for almost two years now yeah that's freaking that awesome. Is awesome like it's great handshakes and high fives all around yeah. yes <laughs> um so yeah and because without you guys hugs, really dude. hugs yes hugs to all of you um or high falls if that's your thing um <laughs> Thank you. We really appreciate you because without you, we wouldn't be able to keep doing this because the money portion does help us uh, yeah. do yeah, the physical parts yeah. of what we need to do. Have microphones and keep our It just makes up. it a little well, – it's one less thing we have to worry about. It's you know? very nice. Not that we yes. probably – we would have do it anyway, but then we'd have to sound figure like out. No. Right. We'd have <laughs> to be like – four episodes up at a time. We, yeah. <laughs> we'd have to figure out like, oh, who's going to pay for the thing this month and yeah. – yeah. So, all right, go ahead. I'm uh, thank you to Rob Kitson, John Smith, Yuli Simgu, Matt Mumford, Lenny Acuna, Urbano, Randy Stewart, Sam Sulian. He's a new patron. I see his, that's a brand new name to uh, us, as well as Michael Heed. Uh, he's a new patron. Awesome. Thank you so much. We have Jim Sullivan, uh, Marcin Chis, Hillary Jones, Fran Martinson, Franz Martinson, uh, Bran, Brian Crowley, Thomas Polino, Flor Hanowick. Lisa Klein, Sharon Okada, Jim Gallant, Genghis Galahad, Matt Riley, Okan Ayrton. He's a new patron as well. Thank I, you. I think. Sorry if I misgendered you. <laughs> Constantinos Andrew, thank you for the podcast idea. Yeah, thank uh, you for the suggestion. Idea. That was appreciated. Christopher Acido and Grant Templin. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Jeez, that list is really, <laughs> really long. Really list. Thank you, guys. We might have lot. to do the little speed up thing. Yeah, yeah. I read them fast. Uh, people can listen to their names. Yeah, man. Hell yeah, yeah. Listen all the way through. All right. Um... 
And uh, if you haven't, go ahead and like our Facebook page. Oh, yeah, if you're do on that. Facebook, get I Keter Disgust on Facebook. Um, Put us in your subscribe so you can get our uh, latest podcast updated directly into your podcast listening systems. Yes, Ooh. and drop us a rating um, if you haven't oh, yeah. done that on whatever podcast uh, f- form Format. you listen to yeah. us on. If uh, The ratings and the like reviews oh, are yeah. really Please helpful. Oh, yeah, give us a review. That'd be great. Because that allows other people to find us a little easier and all that stuff. So, uh, Okay, tip of the week. This is a weird one because we didn't, I mean, you know, whatever. So tip of the week. Um, well, this can learn maybe... Learn your Aikido history. Learn your Aikido history. What I was going to say is, um, and we've said this maybe before on the podcast, but uh, set a goal, whatever it is, and stick to it. Because I feel like Whoa. that's what gets that's what gets shit, shit done, that's you know? Right. And for us, at least, now that we're on a 100th episode, it was the goal that we set was we're going to do one, one podcast a week, a week and, and that, we've done right. it every we haven't week missed for 100 one. weeks. Yeah, yeah. And so... We redoubled some weeks so that we, you know... Yep, uh, We've... Mm-hmm. podcasted at weird times in weird places but yeah. it brought you with us <laughs> <laughs> yes so and that's you know that's what gets all this stuff you know sometimes i use that as a way to encourage myself um still i think about that episode that we did with nick uh he's steady and that was like episode four or whatever and yeah. him saying that saito sensei you know had a full-time job and a family and lived right, you right, know right. studying with with those sensei and like that still i think about that and that motivates me to go to class because i'm like if you know if saito sensei can you know have a family have a family a, a full-time job, job right. be studying with those sensei and you know still be an important figure in aikido then i can go to class tonight that's you know right. that's right so that's awesome. set that set that goal of yours and stick to it because that's what what, what makes you good at Aikido. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. This is a long one. Thanks for listening. Thank and for listening. we will be back next, next week. week. Next week. All right. 101. Bye, guys. Well.